I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die historic on the Fury Road. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. It's quiet. Too quiet. In Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 50, which begins with Max sinking lower into his hiding spot, and it ends with Furiosa raising her arms. Waving her around like she just don't care? I think she does care, actually. (laughs) I think she cares a great deal. Oh, absolutely. Of course, as I mentioned, Max is doing his level best to remain out of sight sinking down deeper into the passageway between the cab of the rig and the tanker and of course ang herod is there not really able to do much she's very pregnant so it's not like she has a lot of ability to squeeze out of the way she's squeezed about as much as she can yeah and max definitely does not want her to squeeze out of the way he wants her right there next to him where he can control her Not only with physical proximity, but with the gun that he's still got to her face. That's what you do with your insurance policies, I guess. You keep them close. But what I really want to start off talking about is this look that Furiosa gives herself in the mirror. Because she's finished putting all the grease on there, and we get this close-up of the mirror and her eyes looking at herself painted up like this. And... It reminds me that at the beginning of this movie, she was fully painted up as an Imperator. She had the grease on her forehead. She was 100% Team Joe when she left that Citadel because that's the face she had to be wearing at the time. And over the course of the initial chase and the fight with Max, that paint got rubbed off because that's not who she is anymore. She has left that life behind in order to help these women. And so now, after going through all of that, she's looking at herself in the mirror and seeing that impurator face that she has looked at for goodness knows how long. And it's interesting that she's had to put that mask back on. Why do you think she had to put that mask back on? I'm guessing that the black grease paint is such an indicative symbol of being one of Immortan Joe's impurators that if you weren't wearing it, that people wouldn't recognize you as that position. Do you think she wants to be recognized as that position? In this instance, going to meet the Rock Riders, I think so. I think however she communicated with them, whether it was personally or through an intermediary like a spy you mentioned, Mm -hmm. either they know her simply as an Imperator, or every time she's met with them before, she's had the black paint and... If you only see a person every so often and they're always like wearing the same hat or have the same watch, that can be something that you start to recognize them by, especially if you're not good with faces. If Furiosa showed up and she didn't have the black paint on, they might look at her from a distance and be like, who the heck are you? Ah, good point. Especially if she's working through a spy and the spy said an Imperator is going to come, you will know her by the black paint on her forehead, and then this woman shows up without black paint, they have no assurance that this is the person they're dealing with. I like that explanation. I thought you were going to go in the direction that 
this passage was set up by Furiosa as an imperator, perhaps as official business of Joe's. Mm-hmm. And the deal was, hey, you're doing this thing for Joe, and he is the one participating in this deal. And she still needs to put on that facade, that mask of working for Joe. And I don't like that. I think that the Rock Riders are perfectly willing to work against Joe in making this deal. Mm. So I really like the idea that either the deal was set up as an Imperator is going to come, or they simply wouldn't recognize her without it. You named some examples of always wearing the same hat. Or the first thing I thought of is somebody who wears glasses. If they take those glasses off, they look like a completely different person. Yeah, And that's that's something as simple as glasses. Yeah, that's the plot of a handful of 80s rom-com movies. And Superman. And Superman, yes. (laughs) See, I was thinking, what's that movie? She's All That, where it's like a frumpy girl and they take her glasses off and let her hair down. Or like any librarian Yeah, The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Same thing. Take her glasses off, comb her hair for once, and then suddenly, oh my gosh, it's Anne Hathaway, even though it was always Anne Hathaway. Right. Like, she was always pretty. Also reminds me specifically about the black forehead and over the eyes is that classic superhero i think specifically of the incredibles although there's countless examples like the incredibles is referencing a trope with the black mask and all you have to do is put that on and you're a completely different person yeah and it has become very tropey but it is tropey because when you change somebody's face in that way it does make it harder to recognize them especially if they go through the trouble of putting on the eye black Underneath the domino mask. (laughs) Speaking of eye black, I'm looking at Furiosa here in the minute, and she's got that grease all the way down to her eyelashes. So she was getting pretty thorough there with the covering, and I can imagine that you want to be a little careful when you're doing steering column grease not to get that in your eye. Getting that in your eye? That would be awful. Like... I've never had to do any sort of eye makeup, and I don't necessarily plan on ever having to. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to infiltrate a fancy party and wear eyeliner or something like that. I don't know. There's any number of things. I might have to wear a wire in a goth dance party or something like that. (laughs) But I don't plan on ever having to wear eye makeup. But I imagine that whether it's mascara or eyeliner, pencil, any sort of makeup in your eye must be just awful. Well, yes and no. I have poked myself in the eye with a mascara brush and with an eyeliner pencil. I use the liquid, so the the liquid pencil tips. Okay. It hurts the same as poking yourself in the eye with anything else. And yes, it leaves some material behind, but those things are meant to be near your eyes. So, you know, it's non-toxic and it doesn't absorb into your eye. You haven't now dyed your eye with a little bit of black. kind of you know gets pushed out yeah by your eye juice the way eye juice is supposed to but i imagine this stuff is definitely not okay to no. be in your eyes and even most cleansers like facial cleansers and face lotions you're not supposed to get anywhere near your eyes so yeah i'm looking at where she's got that grease and yeah she's pushing it <laughs> She must be very practiced. She's got to be, especially to apply it so quickly and so thoroughly. Yeah, we don't really get to see her do it. 
We get to see her pull the grease off the steering column. That's really it. And that was at the tail end of last minute on Mm -hmm. Monday. So we cut outside. We get a nice wide shot of the rig coming around a bend and heading towards this very natural looking, I guess, earth bridge or leaning column of rock or something like that across the opening to this canyon. And that specifically is definitely going to come into play next week as the deal starts to happen. But I feel like with a lot of these wide angle shots, especially from the upper ridge of the canyon, that we're meant to be thinking of these angles as a POV, as the perspective of the rock riders that are watching Furiosa come into the canyon. Oh, for sure. And I think that does serve to raise the tension a bit. Because we know where the rock riders are. Based Mm -hmm. on context, we know that they're up there, they're watching her. When she stops the truck and is kind of looking around a bit, you can tell she doesn't know where they are. She cannot see them. Right around the 18-second mark, when we get that POV from Furiosa behind the wheel of the war rig, you can't see anything up at the top of that canyon because there are just so many rocks everywhere and just the angles are bad. You could very easily drive into a trap and not even know what's going to happen. And she's smart and defensive. So she knows that they are up there. She knows that there are traps set for her because she has not yet identified herself. At this moment, she is just a truck driving through this canyon of someone else's territory. Yeah. So she's smart enough to know that they're there. She can't see them. There are traps set for her. And as she goes under this natural bridge, one of the banners or flags or stiff arm cranes, whatever you want to call them, there at the back of the tanker. One of them clips the rock and just bends completely over, which startles Max. He gets this wide-eyed peek to the side. Oh my gosh, what was that noise? But watching Furiosa hit the rocks like that, it reminded me of something that I'd heard about in the past. Uh, There is an old train bridge in Durham, North Carolina here in the U.S., and it is 11 feet and 8 inches tall which if you want to go by metric, it's 3.556 meters. But that's the clearance from the ground to the bottom of the bridge. And that is not tall enough to let most freight trucks drive underneath it safely. And so they have posted metal signs. They have flashing electronic signs. They have all sorts of warning things painted around this bridge. And yet you'll get about one or two trucks a month that think they can fit underneath it and the top of their trucks will just get peeled back like a tin can of anchovies. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. If you're driving a box truck, especially professionally, you know how tall you are. You know specifically to the inch how tall you are. Or at least you should. Yeah. If not, you should be fired, and they probably are fired after driving underneath that. I think the biggest threat is the amateur drivers. Mm -hmm. You can go online to 11foot8.com. So that's the number 11, so 11, the word foot, and then the number 8.com. And they will have lined up video after video, numbered. This is crash number 130. This is crash number 80. This is crash number 23 of just a traffic camera set up watching this bridge. And they'll let it play and the truck will go through the stoplights and try and go under the bridge and just get crunched every single time. Oh my goodness. I'm watching one now where, oh my gosh, I just, how can you be so dumb? 
Now, if you don't have the bandwidth to be watching videos, you can also check out a different website. Uh, the number two, the letter M, and then the numbers four and zero. So 2m40.com. It's a French website, but they have a lot of pictures of trucks that are either too short for bridges or have damaged bridges in some way. My favorite one that I saw as I was scrolling through was they had a concrete bridge and the hydraulic arm of a just big old digging crane was cut through the middle of the concrete bridge like a shark's fin. Oh, jeez. And then, of course, there was another one with like a giant round pipe and it hit the side of the bridge and it bent the pipe. Mm-hmm. Like the thing was massive, probably big enough around to fit a person inside sort of thing. Ruined because the bridge was too low. Yep. So you really got to be aware when you're driving under low things like that. And the kicker about this situation is that one of the banners survived. And if she had just been over a couple of inches or feet, I don't know, you probably could have saved them. Not that they really come into play later on. No, I don't think they do. Something strange about the visuals of the truck going under the rock bridge, taking one of them out, is that the whole time it's going under, it looks like it's going to clear no problem. Mm -hmm. The optical illusion of clearance is strong. Oh, We were hanging out at a friend's house at a party lately, and I asked for recommendations of good subreddits to follow. And she told me about this one. It's r slash yes, 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 no. I think it's three yeses, one no. And it's a series of gifts where everything seems to be working out just fine. And then at the very last minute, something goes wrong. <laughs> this is one of those situations where for most of this shot, it looks like it's going to clear. Oh, yeah, plenty of room. And then snap, it bends over halfway. And no. So there's also, along those same lines, a subreddit called no, 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 yes, which I find a little problematic based on the, I'm not sure if it's an actual quote from James Bond or if it's more of a... Oh, it's a family guy thing. Oh, okay. About, you know, three no's and a yes is still a yes. But it's pretty much the antithesis of the subreddit that I was talking about where yes. you have a gif and for the most part of it, it looks like it's going to go terribly wrong. And then at the last minute, it pulls out a win at the very last minute. So if you can divorce it from the family guy joke, you'll be fine. <laughs> but after losing that banner, Furiosa brings us to the middle of this canyon and she just stops. And we get that high angle shot. And we just get to see how much of a shooting gallery this is. Like if there were armed people up on the edge of this ridge, they can see every single part of this war rig and the people inside. Like this is the exact situation Max didn't want to be in. When he tried to turn the wheel away from the canyon. Uh, yeah. We've gotten nice wide shots of the rig before, but never at this particular angle. It really accentuates how big the cab of the truck is, especially how long the hood of the truck is. It hasn't come up yet in the movie, but we know that there are two engines in there. Mm -hmm. And you really get a good look at, yeah, there are two engines in there and there's plenty of room. And so as the engine cuts out, Furiosa is just left there in a very quiet canyon. And she's peering out from the window, probably wondering why there isn't more of a welcoming committee. Like, the war rig is a big thing. It's hard to miss. And so you would notice it coming into your territory. I mean, the buzzards noticed it. Why didn't the rock riders? And where are they? 
And so Furios is moving very slowly, very deliberately. I disagree with you, but I'm not really sure my opinion in your opinion's place. You characterize her behavior as, where's the welcoming committee? I don't think that she expects a welcoming committee. I think she does look, not nervous, more wary of what is going to happen, but she does get out of the truck with confidence and she puts her hands up. She's being safe and transparent and she calls out talking to them, which I think she actually doesn't start talking this minute. I think that's reserved for Friday. That's on Friday, yeah. So I think she's cautious. I like the word that you used of wary. The way I see it, she's dealing with a nest of snakes right now. And she knows that if she were to move suddenly or make any sort of action that would startle them, that they're liable to strike out at her. Because the situation has changed. There are now three war parties on her tail, and she wants this to go very smoothly and professionally. I think she's hoping to just get in, drop the fuel pod, and get out. And the fact that there's no one there to work with here initially is a little worrisome because it is going to slow them down. I like the comparison that you made with snakes. I saw a YouTube video recently where there's this guy and he's just out in the woods and he's rustling around some leaves and there's some garbage underneath the leaves. He's just rustling around and he is pulling out snake after snake after snake. You would never know that they're there if you weren't educated in what to look for, what to look for. But he had handfuls of snakes that he pulled out. She is that guy. She knows they're there. She may not be able to see them, but she trusts that they're there. And she just needs to go about her business trusting that they are there. Mm -hmm. And the very end of this minute, the start of the next minute, she is rustling around in those leaves, reaching for them. And they show up. Mm -hmm. They are there and she knows it. I think the quiet is the most unsettling part. And not only do we get to see Furiosa's reaction, but Max is there in the passageway. I don't want to call it a hidey hole. <laughs> oh, for, come on. For a future guest's sake. <laughs> because she hates that term. But Max tilts his gun and he tries to peek out over the edge. I think he expects there to be some sort of welcoming committee to help facilitate this deal. And there's no one there. And we even get, around the 52-second mark, an angle looking at Ang Herod. It's a weird angle, because the top of her head is cut off about midway up her eyes. I think we get to see most of her left eye. I don't think we get to see any of her right eye. But then we see the lower half of her face, her shoulders, and then it cuts off around the collarbone. And I wonder why this shot is here. And I think it's to show that Max still has a gun pointed right at her jaw. I think so. Taken out of context, as we do, cutting it off at the minute mark, it seems like an odd shot. But if you review it, including what happens on Friday, I think we are being shown and reminded how tight it is in there. That, in fact, Max does have a gun to her face. That she has zero maneuvering space. She's half in the hole, half not in the hole. We're being set up for what happens to her on Friday. And after we look at that, we get another wide shot, another potential perspective from the Rock Riders as Furiosa hops down and lets the door to the rig swing shut. So she's now completely in the open, and we wrap the minute with her with her hands in the air, 
not waving them because she does care. <laughs> she set me up for that one at the beginning of the episode. But I think what she's doing is she's showing them, I'm here, I'm unarmed, I'm ready to make this deal. I'm not trying to do anything sneaky. Yep. Not that she's surrendering to them or anything like that. Just a show of good faith. Absolutely. Because when you're running deals like this, you can't always be assured that all parties have everyone's best interest at heart. So this was a little bit of a short one. Like I said, it's a tension builder minute. There's not going to be a ton of things to talk about other than the fact that, oh my gosh, something is going to happen at some point. So keep holding your breath or however you want to deal with the tension here. We're going to be back on Friday when Furiosa is going to call out to the Rock Riders. The Rock Rider chief will show up. He'll complain about the circumstances and the tension is just going to get to the edge of a breaking point. We're going to be so close to just tipping over into the next thing by the end of Friday's episode. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 50 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.